Welcome back to the Polychromatic Podcast. I am your co-host, Zach. And I'm Elaine, Zach's mom. So um, I think we'll just, well, is there anything we need to talk about before we get to the topic? Um, I don't think so. I was just going to say that when we decided to talk about the topic we're going to talk about tonight, it is something really near and dear to me at my heart. And I think really in general, the reason why we decided to do podcasts um, do you feel that same way? Um, you're talking about uh, the inc- ever-increasing disconnectedness in this ever-connecting world? Exactly. I'm finding that we are, feel, at least I am going to speak for myself, that detachment that we feel and how many we see many people that have been by themselves and don't have family members. And also I think because of the, of COVID that even made it extremely worse when we were told to be at least six feet apart from each other. And we couldn't have social interactions during that time that we normally would, would have. I mean, there were canceled weddings. There were uh, graduations from school canceled. I mean, big, big, huge things that people usually celebrate in their life so it's almost like we have to go back and and get into remembering what that all was like. And I think it's going to take a period of time. But even with that being said, I still feel that with all of the technology that's around that, there is this disconnect. And I would like to actually talk about that because um, I'm older and I have experienced a longer life. And looking back at a younger age, there are certain things I remember and life was different. Yeah, I was going to say in um, the lead up to the pandemic, um, there were some media outlets that really did kind of understand that, you know, we're ever so increasingly um, becoming disconnected in in an ever increasing connected world, like I said, you know, so here we have all these technologies that connect us. If we've been ever been more connected than we have before, but seemingly we're disconnected from people, even though we've got this, all this connection, right? The internet is basically turned our phones have turned the internet into being with us everywhere we go absolutely we use our phones we use emails we no longer have as many personal interactions with people um i guess through the internet we can use zoom and see people but it's not the same it's actually connecting with people in person talking to people on the phone and hearing their voice rather than texting, those type of things that are much more personable and much more intimate than just sending messages. Um, I've I felt that way since I've watched all this come into being. Yeah, and I was going to say it's been, um, you know, the proverbial uh, social wedge, you know, like it's been a wedge between people um, texting. And not only that, but I think a lot of people nowadays, if they are agoraphobic and don't realize it, or maybe they do realize it, um, you know, um, seek comfort in their phone, you know, like, like just burying your head in your phone and like a social situation, you know, like you go out and you don't want to talk to anyone. It's, it's like the best excuse, right? You can just pretend like you're doing something on your phone, or maybe you are doing something on your phone, but you know, it's been really, really difficult for people to be present. Well, I think you bring in the up real a- world. I think you bring up a really good point there because people that have really deep social anxiety issues, yeah, then it only encourages them more to distance themselves. 
instead of working on being around other people. So the topic for this evening we're going to talk about is the importance of human connection and what that all means to connect as a human being to others and what how else in this world can we connect and what is what is helpful in connecting and how do animals play a role in that. That's basically outlining the topic for this evening. Yeah, I think this is really a great topic. You know, just the fact is, it's something that I think a lot of us really feel. And for people that didn't feel it before the pandemic, have a feeling of what we're talking about, you know, um, out of the pandemic when, you you know, people were forced to have to, um, to isolate themselves, you know, out of before, I mean, before we had the vaccine, once we had the vaccine until we got this under control. Well, I think you're right, because in the tech world, even think about it, we're so used to all of the, 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 the tech world of texting and emailing and all of that, where it is rather impersonal. But I did notice that most people in general were really uncomfortable during COVID because they had to think about, I can't see this person. I've got to be so careful mm-hmm. when we went to a place. Honestly, it was extremely hard for me because I'm a very affectionate type of person. And to have to keep a distance from someone of six feet, I really had to program my brain to do that versus maybe moving a little closer. I mean, not into their space, but normally you're not six feet apart when you talk to another person. Yeah. And you know, the one thing that I did notice um, out of the pandemic, now we're going to be talking about the pandemic during every episode, but it's something that's in recent memory for sure. And when it comes to social interaction, it did definitely shape the way that we, um, we, uh, we are around people. And I was going to say, the thing that I noticed is that people, I think one nice thing out of the pandemic that, that was kind of a nice, um, a nice, uh, God, what am I trying to say? A nice side effect, that's what I'm trying to say. It's a nice side effect of it, is the fact that they, um, people in general, I think, realized that it was helpful to be more cognizant of one another and their needs because we were all experiencing a level of emotion that maybe... There's some people I think that are kind of devoid of emotion, you know, that they try to push it away, you know, with the busyness of life. But with the pandemic, we, you know, you, when you hit the brake, when, when you put the brake on really suddenly, um, force people to really look at that uncomfortability that came with that. And with that uncomfortability, realize that other people logically were feeling uncomfortable too and tried to, does that make sense? Makes total sense to me. I mean, another way of looking at it is that think about if we lose a loved one, we feel like our world stops. Well, when the, when the pandemic hit, the world did stop because I think most Americans believe this is third world country stuff. It doesn't happen in America and we had not been prepared and even scarier. We did not know what this meant. All I remember is just people dying like crazy and we're, we're scrambling trying to figure out what we're going to do to stop this. Yeah. And you know, to me, I think there are a lot of people, um, I'm not saying that in people's lives that we don't all have our own versions of it, but I think some people are more affected than others. For me, the pandemic 
just given, you know, um, the fact that more naturally I'm, I've been more inclined to be a homebody, um, helped me, you know, um, and also what also helped me is I've been through loss in my own life, you know, and so I think that helped shield me some from some of the pandemic. It just felt like a continuation of that kind of stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong, I was still really concerned about the pandemic and really felt the pain of the world on my chest seeing what was happening. But in comparison's sake, I'm just saying that I didn't feel like it was an entirely new feeling for me personally. Totally makes sense because I share that with you. I have had personal loss and grief. And when you've been through that, for those of you that have experienced as well, you only know that when you've experienced it. And I'm, I'm one that truly believes that unless I've experienced something, I do not know exactly what it's like. And I will, I will tell people that. I will say, gosh, that sounds terrible, but I've not experienced that. I can imagine, but I don't know. Um, I was just going to read off here what Brene Brown says about the importance of connection. Can you tell them who Renee Brown is? Brene Brown is very well known. She's a doctor who has um, done a lot of, of TED Talks, social media things, and she really is very, very reverend by a lot of people because she's got, she's very transparent when she talks. You almost feel as though you're talking to her in person, even though you're watching her on, on YouTube. Um, but anyway, she basically, Brene Brown, and if you haven't heard of her, she, she has done a lot of work. And one of the biggest projects she ever took on was about vulnerability and a pro- she thought it was going to take her maybe a year to discover what vulnerability was all about. And 10 years later, she picks herself up after going through lots of therapy because being vulnerable in this world, as she talked about, shows wholeheartedness and is the most courageous way to be. And that goes into the highly sensitive people that we brought up a couple podcasts ago that we plan on talking about, probably dedicating a podcast to because it's an incredible subject matter that many people may be be able to relate to, but may not have identified to themselves. So that's the way I really discovered her is the vulnerability, because I always thought of myself as a very vulnerable person that got hurt really easily by others and thought that was a bad thing and found out that it's actually a gift, which we will do another time with one of our podcasts. But she, um, is she has been a professor at the University of Houston Graduate School of Social Work. She specializes in social connection. And in an interview, she said, and I, and I quote her, a deep sense of love and belonging is an irresistible need of all people. We are biologically, cognitively, physically, and spiritually wired to love, to be loved, and to belong. When those needs are not met, we don't function as we're meant to. She goes on to say, we may think we want money, power, fame, beauty, eternal youth, or a new car, but at the root of most of these desires is the need to belong, to be accepted, to connect with others, and to be loved. Hmm. It's a lot there. Well, you know, um, was it Plato or Aristotle? I think it was Aristotle, you know, the Greek philosopher. Um, said that, uh, or was it Socrates? I think actually it was Socrates. I don't know. I'm just pulling this out of my ass. But the thing was Socrates that said, um, man is the social creature. Absolutely. And they've done a lot of studies on it. Um, 
with connection with people and through animal studies, which you're very familiar with, Zach, um, because you're into research yourself. And I've actually found that people that have addictions to drugs and alcohol, when finding connections, can let the substances go when they find those deep connections. And that was done through... um, a study with rats where they actually took rats and they became addicted to some substance. I don't remember if it's cocaine or heroin. It really doesn't matter. It was a very addictive substance. And then they built a rat park. And um, eventually those rats that were addicted would go over and spend a little time at the rat park and eventually gave up whatever the substance was to be with the rats and play and connect. So that was one of those proven studies right there. You know, it's interesting um, that you mentioned that because it reminds me of, uh, well, I'm not sure if it's another study, but I'll just say something there real, real quick. In research, there is, I mean, I think it's a concern, <laughs> but it's one of those things that are generally not accounted for because there's not a way that you can get reliable data if you don't isolate out animals from one another for the purpose of study. So... Um, to give you an example, though, is like it reminds me of um, uh, the um, were they monkeys? I think the monkeys that were you know reared together versus reared apart, and the ones that had like the cloth mother versus no mother, and just looking at what happened to their sociability, you know, with with being raised. Um, so that's one factor. But the others, just in general, when um, most research is being conducted. It's usually really hard and complicated to try to score more than one animal unless they're in separate cages. But then I think personally, you know, from my point of view, I've been told that we don't worry about it. But from my point of view, when you isolate out animals, you're changing their behavior. So what are we really measuring? Do you know what I mean? Are we measuring boredom? Are we measuring, are we measuring those things? Are we wanting to measure isolation? But when we write the paper, we don't really say these mice were in isolation from one another when we were studying this stuff. Very good point. And believe me, animals do feel disconnected. And Oh yeah, they have just the same feelings we do. I, you see physiology, when I went to school for physiology, one of the first things when you get to physiology is they, in the book, they have the mechanistic perspective and the teleologic perspective of physiology. And the mechanistic perspective is described by like robotic animals. But we know animals are not robotic. And I even remember, remember when I took my first anatomy class, I remember seeing a dead person on the table there. There were actually two because we would switch out. And I realized the way they popped off the chest like a hood and to look in, I realize that person is no different than dead meat if a roadkill, essentially. So there's nothing separating us from the animal on a physicality sense. And the other argument I make is just from knowing animals and the fact I've got an animal sitting right on my lap here. They do feel. Absolutely, they do feel. It's painful for us to say that, but it's true. No, it's absolutely true. I remember years ago, it was in the 70s, um, when Greenpeace stepped in because... People were killing the baby seals, the baby white seals for their coat. And the mothers would would literally cry. Cry, wow. When their babies were killed. And I just remember how heartbroken that seemed to me that this mother lost her, her little baby to 
Seal poachers? Yes. I I just thought, how could you, uh, how could you do that? But again, the pain of an animal to cry. And I've also done some research myself, and they say that that emotional pain is just a hard, that disconnect, that detach, that rejection that we may receive from others is just as painful as any physical pain we can feel. Hmm. Well, you know, for me personally, um, I would say mental pain, I think, is a lot worse than physical pain. But I'm not saying that I know what the difference is, you know, but... I was just going to say, you know, physical pain, it's interesting because people can say, oh, my back hurts. I have back problems. I did this to my body. I broke my leg. I'm still, I'm in, in physical therapy for this. But do you hear people saying, I'm hurting so bad emotionally? Well, so no. And I mean, that's a really fair point. I think that people, so let's just be honest. It's something that our society is working a little bit harder on. When I say that, I want to put air quotes up, harder on, uh, meaning we could be doing a lot better. But and even though some steps have been made, I think if you were to tell your boss 15 years ago, I need to have a, I need to have a um, mental health day, they would think you could be, in other words, you would be discriminated against. They'd be thinking... What's a mental health day, right? Well, yeah, or or oh, you oh, that so and so has a shrink, right? You know, and, right. And it was like, and so it's like this hush, hush, out of sight, out of mind. I mean, let's be honest. You know what the real thing is? The reason why a lot of this shit happens is because people want people to be okay, and when people are not okay, the social order kind of becomes. Well, it's a it's humans' ability to empathize that makes other people feel vulnerable and makes f- people feel maybe like they don't want to have to acknowledge those emotions, because acknowledging those emotions empathetically means they have to acknowledge their own emotions. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's the nature of vulnerability in a nutshell. So you know, and they're in the right circles, in the right job, it should be perfectly normal to be real and say, I'm having a really hard time right now, X, Y, and Z, and to be able to be transparent about it. But unfortunately, in a capitalistic society, okay, let's just, I'm almost done talking here in a second. Let's say that you're a cash register, okay, or you're something related to customer service. So you are told, even on a bad day, when something bad happens to you, lost a family member or... I don't know, your significant other broke up with you or something. You're supposed to still go to work and still feign a smile. And, you know, with that, I mean, like, what are you supposed to do? Is that really what the answer is? And the answer is no. What we should be doing is we should be trying to connect with one another on a deeper level. And that starts with leadership. They themselves understanding that we are not robots, but we are people. And capitalism, I think, sometimes forgets that because it's exactly the way that we don't treat people the way they should be valued. We treat them as a disposable commodity, just like our consumerism, we treat the items that we buy like items that are consumable and discardable. Absolutely. I was just thinking when you were talking about that, about calling into work for the mental health day or trying to explain the emotions that you feel, there's a bit bit of a discomfort to that versus 
oh my gosh, unfortunately I fell and I broke my leg and I'm going to have to take six weeks off work mm-hmm. versus, oh my God, someone I loved, a family member, a dear friend passed away and I can't even think straight. I can't even function and I need six weeks off. And the other thing that I was going to say is a lot of times, not always, but with physical issues, they heal and they go away. Trauma and sometimes loss does not. It's with you for the rest of your life. And when people actually believe that you just have to let it go and it goes away, it's not, it's not like a physical broken leg. It stays with you. And there are, I've learned that in my line of work, there are so many people who've gone through so many traumatic experiences beyond some of our thinking that we would, could even wrap our head around it. And they've tried to pick themselves up and move forward in their life. But that trauma, every time, goes forward. Because every time someone is re-traumatized, it brings back all that trauma from before. And it just becomes bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And as you were saying, I think we don't like to talk about that part of life because it touches a little too close to home. And some people would rather ignore that by maybe getting involved in something like buying a new car or let's do this, let's go on this trip, rather than really just walking through what they need to do at a time of maybe grief or at a time when they're feeling emotionally sad um, to just just be with it and deal with it. And my point, to my whole point in, in to sum it up is that a lot of emotional things just don't go away like trauma. A lot of emotional things don't go away like loss. They, you, you just can't put a Band-Aid on it and it heals. It is there forever. So I think that, you know, we've, we've kind of broken down, I think, the difference between physical pain and emotional pain. And I think that's really important to do when we think about connection because the other part, when I think of connection, is... I like to connect deeply with people that I can connect deeply with. I feel that so much more, it's a richer sort of connection than just on sort of a shallow basis of being able to connect with people who maybe have experienced similar things that have a deeper understanding. Um, And that some people we all have our levels of connection and there are going to be different levels of connection. But I think mostly that when we can connect with others who have experienced, it's like unspoken things that we have, that there's almost just that you don't even have to talk about what it feels like. You already know what it feels like. It's an unspoken understanding of that connection because you've experienced it yourself. I think... I mean, you just said it right there. It's really a difference between, to rewind, what you're talking about in my mind is the difference between ignorance, someone that hasn't experienced something versus someone that's experienced something. I mean, you join a club when you lose your parents. You join a club when you lose a sibling. You join the club when you have a disease. Um, You join a club if you lose a limb. It's, It's something that you don't understand until you've actually lived it. And Unfortunately, they're, the world at large, uh, people want people to be okay. So if you have the friend that's like, just get over it or whatever, we know that's coming from a place of ignorance. It's not coming from 
And it's because if you look at that a little bit differently, that's because that person is upset that they see you that way. They don't want you that way. I'm not saying it's okay that they're trying to change you, but that's where it's coming from. Physically on the outside, you don't look okay and you won't be okay. And instead of giving the person the time, place, and energy um, that they need, you know, even the privacy they need to handle that, even if you don't understand it. And that's the reality is I think a lot of us as humans, we hear about something and we think sometimes that all automatically makes us the expert on it. You know, well, we hear on the news, we'll hear some buzzword or something. You know, you hear a lot of it with um, what was talked about with opiates years ago. You know, uh, the, the people re reciting the same stuff that was said by the media without actually doing the research to actually understand. Absolutely. And um, I think you've got a really good point all the way around about that is that, and that's... And labels come into it as well. Yeah, it's the labeling we've talked about before in this podcast, la labeling people that have addiction issues as losers or people that are dumb or stupid. When in fact, studies have been done, people with chemical dependency issues, their IQ is usually way above average and they're very creative. And that is in fact, true studies. Well, and who knows, you know, maybe that intelligence is what needs to be quelled with a substance because maybe they're too woke. You know, I mean, if you look at the world, you know, the, the world around us, and um, all the pain and all the suffering. I mean, why as humans do we repeat the same mistakes over and over and over? You know, that's part of the human condition, right? Like that um, you think in one way we can look back, we can step back and we can say we've made all the social progress, but in another way we haven't. My question is what, what, what about 200, 300 years from now? What are humans, if we actually become our next evolution, what are they going to say about us? They're going to say the same stuff that we said about our forefathers before us when it came to slavery. And by the way, slavery is still a thing in yeah. the world. We, we ignore Absolutely. it. I mean, what do, you think, what do you think made our iPhones? Slavery. I mean, practically, the Foxconn, clamp, uh, sorry, the Foxconn plant is basically, you know, with the kind of wages, and don't get me wrong, I know for China, it's probably really good. I mean, it actually brings people from the countryside into work. Um, there, but they actually even live there. That's kind of weird, I think. Well, there would be no, obviously, no break from work. That would be... Mm -hmm. You live it. Extremely, yes. You actually, I was going to say there's no disconnect, which I think would be very uh, mentally unhealthy, emotionally unhealthy yeah. to be there all the time. I mean, and that's another thing. This is actually a great segue to say something real quick. I think some people choose money and quote-unquote success job-wise over connection a lot of times. And the problem is they're actually really dissatisfied with life, right? They've chosen a job where they make a ton of money, but at the end of the day, they don't see them going back home to their family and actually for what it is, you know, um, for some people at least. Do you believe, Zach, that the way... The economy's just gone. The way the economy is, mm -hmm. number one, the fact that there's competition out there. Because, just an example, I remember when I was a little girl and I was growing up, and my dad worked at this job, and my dad rarely got sick, and I don't remember. I was so little, I don't remember what he's sick with. But he had to take like three weeks off work, 
And his boss told him, you take care of yourself. You take the time you need. You have a job here when you get back. When you get well, come back here. You've got a job. In today's age, it seems as though people are slid in and out of positions. They find Mm -hmm. someone who may be, could be someone who's worked for a company for many years and they can pull a newer person in for less of a salary and give them the job. And that person who's been faithful for so many years is let go. And so that also, I think along with the connection is stability. Like we do as humans, stability and security we need as human beings, right? Yeah. You know, what you're talking about reminds me of, here's a perfect example. Okay. Right in the in the limelight and with everyone's intention, uh, attention on it. A lot of people will know exactly what I'm talking about. So you remember how Elon Musk bought Twitter. Mm-hmm. One of the first things he did was fire all of the people that work on, uh, that do all the um, janitorial work at Twitter. People had been there for 10 or 15 years because they asked for a raise. So, you know, and then for me, I'll tell you my version of it. For me, I've always demanded such a high level of myself that I probably don't have to worry, but I've always worried. Uh, to give you an example, uh, several years back, before I was working in research, I was um, did some work in tech, uh, you know, fairly limited. But, um, and I remember uh, I had my uh, I had to have a surgery on my leg, and I remember being very stressed out just in the two weeks I had to take off for that and being concerned that they were going to be replacing me. And before that, there was also an issue with my car. And so I remember um, actually trying to get your um, your Volvo going. And I can't remember what it was. I, I replaced something on it. I can't even remember, but it involved having to pull the AC on it. And, um, you know, it was... So anyways, to make a long story short, I was telling myself, if I don't get this car going, I'm going to be out of, out of a job. And, you know, the question was, and the question is, is that rational or is that irrational? And then just to, re, just to fast forward, um, without going into too much detail right now, because I don't really want to, you know, I want to have some privacy here. I'll eventually probably tell you guys about what I've been through. But with my um, ongoing health issues that have prevented me from basically working for the past, well, it's going to be a year in April. Um, with that situation, my boss, one of the rare ones, I'm still there that, you know, still had been paying for my health insurance, hush, hush, (laughs) um, from the lab up until I, I actually, honestly, I'm not even sure if he stopped yet. To be honest with you, he, I've not gotten anything from CU Boulder saying anything about them, my insurance stopping. So, I might even have insurance to this month. I'm not sure. I, I'm gonna waiting for the Cobra paperwork to arrive in the mail. I already called, um, um, you know, human human resources uh, benefits department to try to figure this out. Um, they said, you know, once it comes, that's when you know. And I haven't had to sign any documents to say that I'm gone. Not that I have to, since you know my appointment's gone. But so, anyways, I just wanted to incorporate my own personal experience there with saying that you know I felt what it's like to feel like my job is on the line, to feel like I'm a number. I've had other jobs before this where that's certainly been the case that remember when I worked at Omni um, for that part-time position during the summer, literally I got sick from Pete's 
son. He came in with a really bad cold, gave it to me. I had to take two days off. When I went back, there was not a job left. Oh, I didn't remember that. So you, in two days, they replaced you? They didn't replace me. It was, un, it was with the understanding it was a temporary job over the summer, but they weren't done moving. I see. So they just told me, nope, we got it. So I didn't have a job to come back to. So I, I know kind of in sense what that's like, um, not been let go any other way. So I guess I kind of have a little bit of experience with actually having been let go, but at least it was a temporary job. So it wasn't completely out in left field. So you know what, when we talk about connection, there's so many avenues we could go down. But I think just the, the, to start with, the basic aspect of connection is that we need to, just as I quoted you from Brene Brown, we need that. And I, they actually have said that people that tend to isolate, which some people do if they have social anxiety, if they're depressed, there's a lot of reasons why people may choose to isolate. But when you isolate, it actually can affect your health. And they say that people that are lonely are about 25% more likely to die prematurely and Elderly people who are lonely die at twice the rate as those who are socially connected. Now, that's pretty high. Well, it makes sense because we are the ones that make purpose out of life, right? Like, I don't think that many of us, and there are some people that have lived past lives and have memory of their past lives and, you know, some sort of Buddhist reincarnation kind of thing. But for a lot of us, we don't have memory of having chosen to be born, right? Mm -hmm. And so even though I did have a dream once of some sort of city of angels kind of thing that we're all brothers and sisters. <laughs> and so we do get to choose to be down here, but it's, we get to all experience everything. It, it's exactly like the movie, except it wasn't because I watched the movie um, kind of way. Uh, and I'm not really sure what to think, but I will say for the most part, I believe that, you know, we don't really cho- choose to be born We're we're born. And then we're, we come into this world and, and we're told by the people before us that, this is life. We, you know, the closest thing that we have to creation maybe would be the Bible or, or whatever, you know, religious doctrine that we have in our culture. Um, and then it's kind of up to us to try to make sense of life. And I think for most of us, we don't, we can, maybe some of us can make sense of things on a higher plane spiritually, but I think a lot of our actual meaning that we get purpose you know, comes from the purpose that we get out of life. And where does the purpose come? It comes from our social connections. It comes from our jobs. And when I say our jobs, I mean our careers. And I, when I say our careers, I don't mean jobs or careers. I mean our passions, if our passions align with our jobs and our careers. You know how many people said this to me when I was growing up? They said, if you, if you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, it's not like work. Mm-hmm. And other really cliche, overtold stuff, but it's okay because it's totally right. I mean, you know, for me, working in research for the past, well, I mean, minus the past year, you know, the past, gosh, <laughs> um, nine years, I guess, so eight years, um, if you don't include this past year. Um, for me, that was great because my interest adjoined with what I did. So there was not, it didn't conflict in Mm -hmm. my head. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like, 
And and for me, I I'm not the kind of person that needs to connect with what I do. So I think there's even connection with your job if you allow there to be. I think it's an extension of who you are. Yeah. And I think that's... And your gifts that you're not... And the gifts, gifts that, that you have. you've been blessed with. Absolutely. And so the, what Zach can, is a witness to this for me. I have struggled so hard growing up outside of the, the tech times and the internet. Life used to be so much different. Um, I recall that when I was a little girl, people, when you moved into a new house, many neighbors around would would come over and welcome you in person. So like housewarming kind of stuff. Absolutely. They'd bring you cookies and cake and say, if you need anything, I'm here to help you. And how many of us these days even know our neighbors? You know, that's actually interesting. Um, And the reason why I wonder that question is I don't remember where I found where I heard this statistic, but did you know it's like I think it's forty or fifty percent of Americans are get this they are estranged from their families. I, I read that. I read this statistic years ago, which I thought was really interesting because I thought for us, you know, with some of the things I experienced. So for me, on my father's side of the family, there's estrangement. On my mom's side, there's estrangement. And I always thought that was kind of weird. I thought that we were kind of the exception to the rule. I didn't know that it was actually as common as it is. Not because we necessarily chose it. I think there are merits for both things, you know, because that is an example of losing connection. But sometimes you, in your life, you also have to set the boundaries. And you have to say no to certain things in your life because it is healthier for you, you know? So I'm not, I'm not bringing that up to make a counterclaim here to say that, uh, you know, there's, um, we shouldn't be talking about because we're not connected with family. I'm just saying that, um, is that kind of interesting? No, it is really interesting because you know what? I think from what you're talking about, those statistics do seem really high considering that when we're born and when we grow up in this world, we just have this thought of how family is supposed to be family and we and we stand together and we help each other out and when you're saying there's an estrangement between family members mm-hmm. that is huge because where do you connect if you don't have family well the truth of the matter is sometimes you connect with people who are once strangers that you can become so close to because maybe you've experienced that estrangement with other people. You know, one of my former roommates, Ian, he said this, and I thought it was a very profound thing. He said, friends are the family you make. Yep. And it's very true. And sometimes friends can be better than family. (laughs) And, you know, it, Here's the here's the deal is unfortunately when you are connected with family is kind of a double-edged sword because on one hand they're the most able equipped out of anyone to help you but they're also equally equipped to hurt you. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely, you to know. To know what your vulnerabilities are, to know where where the tender points are. Well, it's 
to me, it's a feeling of belonging. That sense of belonging as humans is very important, but also that when we become rejected, that can be devastating to us. You know, it was interesting when you were talking about um, that it's imperceptible to humans or there's some argument that's imperceptible to humans, the feeling of rejection. And I'm also wondering if it also deals with not just rejection, but embarrassment and other social situations that are forms of rejection. Because embarrassment is also a form of rejection, if you think about it. If someone's out in public and something happens when they're a kid, you know, let's say that someone pisses their pants or something, mm-hmm. and then everyone laughs, that's its own form of rejection too, you know? And so it's like... I think as humans, we really, if we're honest with ourselves, you know, we can go back and rewind in our lives and think of like all the situations where we've either played accessory to a situation where, you know, we've contributed negatively to that outcome. And then other situations where we've also played victim to that situation, you know. um, I totally agree, Zach, you know. When we face hard times, we go through change. We're forced to change because example is losing a loved one is a great example of change because when you lose a loved one, you lose a part of you. So you have to figure out how you're going to exist in this world without that person that you love so much. So you have to become a new you. And it takes time to figure out who that new you is along with the grief and the pain that you go through and the longing of that person who's no longer there, right? Yeah, and our lives are very much purpose-driven and purpose-built. And the reality is, uh, the way I've always said it is, you've got a choice in life, and a lot of people don't understand this. You've got a choice in life about whether or not you live or you die out of adversity, number one. And number two... um, Sometimes it takes years to reinvent yourself into something different than what you were before. And you may not ever see that happening. But the reason why that doesn't happen is I think time is the ultimate teacher for that, right? You have to be patient. And I mean, I think of myself right now, I have so much of my identity and connection wrapped up in research. And the question is, when I'm back on my feet and I'm actually able to go, is that where I'm going to want to go? Or am I going to want to go somewhere else? Or am I going to have the option of going there? Even for me, I have some fear of, and it's stupid to say, it's not quite rejection. It's rejection in my mind, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's disappointment with the way the situation worked out. I know that absolutely everything's been done as long as that has been done. And I've been grateful to my boss for keeping things open. But one thing I hadn't mentioned is I did email my boss and you know, the postdoc, you know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. And because I went into his office, I'm like, hey, you know, when I'm able, I think I might want to volunteer just to see with my endurance how I'm able to handle being up for long periods of time. And that way it can kind of ease back into know, you know, when I'm ready to consider going back to working off disability. But the reality is, unfortunately, he put it in the terms of, well, you have to talk to her. Mm. And I'm thinking to myself, what if I just never hear back? Yeah. And what's screwed up about this is I'll just share this a little bit real quick. 
I don't mean to shit talk about someone in my job, but I know she doesn't like me. And that's too too bad. I, I, I ne- I'm never... I started to dislike her because of some of the stuff that she did to me. But at first, I, I had no problem with her. Um, so she was our graduate student that became our postdoc. And um, I guess you could say, for all intents and purposes, I was a lab manager. I was in charge, you know, um, and that bothered her. And so this is interesting now that I've been out of the lab for a year, you know, um, I don't expect to be going back to my position. I get that. But the question is, am I going to be invited back in? Because my boss has put it in the into the position, well, you need to talk to so-and-so, I'm not going to mention the person's name, um, about coming back to, you know, to see if if she needs help with anything, which is fair because he just said, I don't know what's what needs to be worked on. She would know. Okay, well, that's fair. So I'll be very curious to see if she gets back to me. If, if uh, And if not, I need to learn to let that go because... Like I said, that's its own form of rejection. Right now, I'm trying to learn how to reconnect with my life coming out of these health issues, and I'll be really disappointed, but I'll have to figure out and realize that maybe there's the ultimate truth is that coming out of this, maybe if that doesn't work out, maybe I'm meant to do something else. And something else I mentioned to um, my massage therapist the other day, uh, the one that does energy work, as I said to him, as I said, Maybe I need to invite the possibility that coming out of this will be some of the best years of my life with actual happiness and actual, you know, Mm -hmm. versus the perpetual struggle that it's been since the chronic health issues and leading up to them manifesting into affecting my abilities. You know, I mean, the the fact is I'm not able-bodied to do what I used to do and I have to relearn how to do everything. And it's a, it's a real challenge. And so it's like, you know, identity, I think, is tied to connection, too. You know, you can have your own identity, but, um, but a lot of it is kind of contingent upon um, being there, showing up for it, you know? Absolutely. Just rewinding a little bit with everything you've said. When I was saying earlier that we become deepened with hard times, mm-hmm. that's just the way it is. And we connect with others who've had hard times. That seems to be the way it is because we have a greater understanding. I guess overall, you could say that it's an emotional maturity that um, one gets going through things because sometimes you really have to fight to get back on top with your life when things have been really difficult. And those who have experienced some form of that can relate. While you're talking about this person with the job, I don't know that she's ever experienced any really tough time in her life. I don't know her well, just by what you've shared with me. But you know, that word compassion is the first thing I thought of when I thought about what you were talking about. Um, when you said, I feel re- maybe rejected, I, I feel like I'm going to be rejected by her. I believe that if she would have experienced anything that may have deepened her, she would look at this totally differently because Mm -hmm. I just want to say to you, before I went through a lot of the different things that I've experienced, which Zach knows about, which he's been involved in as well, um, and it is personal on both of our bases, but also it's we've walked through it together and 
part of the reason why Zach and I are as close as we are is because of all the hard times that we've had. That has deepened me to a point that I think about before I really experienced this. The things that I thought were funny back then, I don't find funny now, you know, because Mm -hmm. I never think I meant to hurt anyone personally, but sometimes when something was said, I didn't think about how that could personally hurt someone because I wasn't that deep. My, my emotional maturity was that not that deep. And now I realize that sometimes just even a word you might say, or a sentence you might say to someone could be very destructive to them. And I think that when you experience, as I said, harder times, loss, grief, facing things that are the unthinkable, that you have this level of compassion where you see the world in such a different place. And that's why I think this podcast is going to make a life of its own is because of our own experiences. And, you know, it's not like we're reading from a book. It's like when we are doing this podcast, we're speaking from our hearts, from our own experiences. Those are the ones that you really know what it's like. You can, you can go to school, you can read in books what something's like, but until you've really walked through it or experienced it, that's when it deepens you. So my point is, is that I found that I've grown in so many ways um, since things traumatic have happened. And even though it's been extremely hard at times and very sad, I also have to say that I think in many ways it has helped me grow as a human being and to be able to understand things that to a higher level of which I ever could. And so when I say that, sometimes I may laugh at something, you know, like if someone was saying something that was really funny, maybe I might have laughed. But when I look at those things now, if they were sort of focused on a person, I wouldn't find those funny anymore. Because I realized that in this world, relationships are the most important thing to me in my whole life. Interaction with people is the most important thing to my life. And that's why I do it for a living. I get to a deep connection with people who also have been through a lot with their lives. And it's a very much of a richness that I have. I love what I do because it's, I'm around people who, who too have experienced similar things. And it's like, when you're with people who have, you don't have to explain this stuff. You know, it's like, you don't have to say, hey, I'm grieving about whatever. And they tell you to get over it. And you're going, no, no, wait a minute now. It's not like a cold that heals. I don't have the flu. I don't have a cold. You don't get over it. It's just, you learn to live differently. You learn to live without someone or you learn to live a different life. Just to rewind real quick. Um, when you talked about words as weapons, you know, um, it reminds me when I took my Shakespeare for non-majors, I see you, and the fact um, words do have power to them. As humans, we allow them to have power. Like, if someone were to tell you to go fuck off, people get really upset, right? But what is the word fuck off? It's just noises that come out of our mouth. Truly, that's so true. It's just locution. That's all it is. It's not, 
it's not uh, anything. It's not um, anything else. You know, it's just the the noise that comes out of our mouth. But it's the meaning. It's the meaning that gets people, and and that's where Shakespeare was like, you know, words can be projected at people like weapons. You know, and that's the reason why all of his stories, um, you know, really depict how words affect people and how misunderstanding draws people to the wrong motivations and how there's irony to that. And anyways, I just, I just, when you mentioned that and, you know, it's kind of a, a nice segue, we don't have to go into it right now, but how some of our relationships are wordless as they are with animals. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, is that okay for me to transition? Absolutely. Hey, you take it where you so, want to take it. you know, What's interesting is we can actually have relationships with people that that don't revolve around words or even talking. You know, the question is how much of our life is actually unspoken? And the other part I wanted to say real quick before I forget is how much control do we actually have over our, our how, how much control do we actually have over our own lives? Truly. The answer is not really. Like, did I see myself getting into that area of research or did it just kind of work out that way? Just like coming out of this situation, I mean, who knows? I'll probably be doing something completely different. And, you know, is everything going to work out? I think that's where, you know, you kind of have to sit on a higher power and, and um, because a lot of our purpose, a lot of what we do is half the battle is just showing up for it, right? So showing up for the relationships etc. So an example is, from my experience, when it comes to relationships with animals, if you show up to that relationship with your animal, you're going to have a good relationship with your animal. What I love is it's uh, really quite unconditional. And um, the expectations are not there as there are with human beings. And not all human beings, because, you know, obviously, when we get really close to people, we may have have the, the closeness where we don't feel that division so much. But with animals, there's that consistency that you're talking about, Zach, where, you know, animals have this unconditional love that I love you. You feed me, you take care of me. I love you. And they depend upon us. They depend upon us to keep them alive, basically. But, you know, they don't think in their mind like, hey, you miss one day feeding me. I'm done. I'm through with you. Yeah, exactly. They don't, they don't seem to form grudges or, or um, I was going to say regret. I don't know. Maybe that is the word. But um, they don't really hold it against you. Anyone specifically. Now, I'm not, I don't know what that's like for people that abuse animals like crazy. That might be different. But if you have an off day where you're just not as present or whatever, what I've noticed is animals can kind of read you like a book. I think they kind of mime, they kind of mirror neuron. You heard of that term before. They kind of mirror neuron their owner. Absolutely. So like if you're down, mm -hmm. they're down. Especially true with dogs, maybe a lesser degree with cats, but I think you still can definitely see it with cats. Yeah, definitely. And um, I, being a horse girl since the age of five, uh, just born in my blood, horses have this deep spirituality with people that unless you have ever experienced time with a horse, you would never really understand. 
And that's why they work so well with the equine assisted therapy is they actually know what people are thinking. They connect with other people's brains. And um, I just have to tell you, that is my greatest therapist with a horse I, I have right now. His name's Cobain, and he's he is my heart-to-heart companion. I mean, he's helped me get through a lot of the hard times and most recently to be able to just go out to the stables and be with him and just chill with him. And it, I really know that everything is going to be okay because when I'm with him, believe it or not, horses actually can slow your heart rate down. Uh, their heart beats 30 beats a minute. And they're used a lot for people with PTSD. Uh, they've actually um, used uh, equine assisted therapy with people that have um, trauma from war or trauma from other things. It actually is, is very healing to them. They're starting to use them for people with uh, dementia and Alzheimer's, um, people that have all kinds of um, diseases and things like that. Horses can connect on a, an extremely deep level. And um, it's just crazy, even to me, even though I've, ha- I've known horses throughout my whole life. I'm always just amazed about, um, I've been doing this, what's called liberty, um, with my horse. Um, and it really is like... Uh, it's like a sauna dance. It is like, like we dance together. And it's like, honestly, when I, uh, before I even ask him to do something, he's already doing it. It's the, the strangest thing in the world because he c- connects and he knows I'm getting ready to. And I just going, this is crazy. It's almost unbelievable that he is that connected to me. So, you know, Zach, I think also animals are not afraid. Like we were talking earlier I think sometimes people have a hard time connecting because they're afraid of being rejected. They're afraid of being left alone. They're afraid of breaking up a relationship. They become afraid that person is not going to be there. Well, I mean, think about this for a moment. I agree with what you're saying 110% because why do you think people cheat on one another? Truly. And the real, real reality why is because people want to have the side relationship, but they also want to have the other relationship. But do you think they have that side relationship just to back up the relationship they have in case it falls apart because they don't feel like they could make it if they're by themselves? That's, that's possible. I'm not sure. But I'm just trying to say they, they're hiding it either for the thrill or they're hiding it because they know what it would mean if, if, if they were to find out. Um, and then others just are, you know, gluttonous and they don't give a crap and they do it all out in the open. But real quick, I just want to say something kind of unrelated, but you reminded me when you were talking about the horses. Did you know the reason why they prescribe benzodiazepine, uh, benzodi- benzos, benzodiazepines for anxiety? Turns out a person's, um, an MRI of the brain I'm not sure if it's, I think it's a functional MRI, but it's either an MRI or a functional MRI of the brain of a person that has anxiety versus um, a person that has epilepsy is the same. Yeah, I've read that. I actually have read that. You know what I'm talking about? Uh And so when you said that this mental stuff is physical, well, it becomes physical, Mm -hmm. right? Mm Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of the 
problem with the whole self-fulfilling prophecy thing is that um, it can become that way. And for you, it sounds like your horse is a reset button and not just a reset button. It's when you're out with your horse, probably I'm guessing for the first five or 10 minutes until you're really spending time with him. But once you're, I'm guessing 10, 15 minutes in, you completely lose track of time because you're just going in with the pace of the horse, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you, what you guys are doing almost doesn't even seem like it's on this earth. No, it doesn't. It's like we're into our own world, our own level, mm-hmm. on another level of life. You become like, like affixed mm-hmm. on the activity, the shared activity and, right. and the task at hand. Mm-hmm. It's almost like being in a... I don't want to say dreamland, but it sort of kind of is because it's usually very playful and very active and very interactive and very deeply, deeply connected. So I've got a question for you. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Okay. If there was one thing that you could say horses do for you that exposes about you personally, what would that one thing be? And I and I'm sorry to ask such a such a pointed question, but but what do you think if you could describe in one word or a couple words what that thing is that that you learn from being with your horse or other horses in your life? What is it exposed about you being a human that has helped you be a better human? I would say my vulnerability. I think the vulnerability of just me being okay with who I am. When I'm with Kobe and I am who I am, and he loves me for who I am, he accepts me for who I am, He's that's what he's connected to is that real me. And it's helped me become more transparent with my life. Not so worried about what other people are going to say or think about me because I feel like if I can be who I am, mm-hmm. And not worry about words from other people. Because you, like you said earlier, they're words. And it's sometimes people project their they're, own yeah, inadequacies on you to make themselves feel better. And, you know, if I can't be myself on this earth, and honestly, my heart's in a great place to do good things. It's, it's I, I care deeply for other people. It shows in the type of work I do. Um, and I would say that my horse just being himself and guides me towards wanting to be myself innately who I am. I learned that from him because you know what? He's pure and he's like who he is and he's not afraid to be who he is. He's teaching me to be vulnerable in this world and to be not to be afraid of being vulnerable, even though it comes at a price. Like, you know, we were talking one day about this and You know, there's always that sense of feeling, of trusting in others, like we're talking a little bit about it with people having affairs and and those type of things, where I think this kind of ties in with that. And when you said to me, you know, Mom, nowadays, people can just text one another and break up, and I'm going, what? It's because I, I I don't get into the social, social word world of tech because I'm, 
I'm a person that still picks up a book and reads it. Well, I'm a person that will pick up the phone and talk to people before I email them. I don't know that I can ever get into the social media stuff because darn it anyway, it's not me. It's me trying to be something I'm not. I want to be personable. I want to hear that person's voice if I can't see them in person. I want to hold that book in my hand. I don't want to read it on a tablet. It's the th- I, I guess that maybe I sound stubborn in that I can't change, but I can't change that part of me that wants to be so deeply connected with people. And I think that's why I feel that when you told me that about people texting one another, I just thought, oh my God, that would just be like, you talk about heartbreak. It's, I would feel like if someone texted me with words that they were going to break up with me or didn't want a friendship with me anymore, that would be so, so out there beyond what I could imagine because I can't picture that someone would do that unless they never really cared about me that much anyway, because how can you just, how can you write that in text and say that to someone? I would guess at that point, if someone did that through a text or an email without really talking to me most favorably in person to tell me, but at least by phone went from voice to voice, but they actually have to text it to me then I would, the only way I can think of this, and the only way that I can wrap my head around this is, gosh, you know, I must have been wrong about this relationship because if that person could not possibly have cared about me as much as they said, if they can just write a few words and say, hey, goodbye, I'm done with you. Okay, well, how can I ever think that person cared? Well, yeah. So you've said a lot. There's a lot that I want to go back over here. Um, first off, to just revisit with the animals. For me... Um, I would say that um, some of my deepest connections, and unfortunately I lost my cat during the pandemic to a horribly, horribly traumatic way um, to find her disemboweled on the lawn. Um, Fortunately, since I work in research, uh, it's not the first time I've dealt with an animal that's been in rigor before. Um, For those of you that don't know what rigor is, it's where the muscles become really tight after death basically become stiff as a board um, to find my cat that way. So anyways, um, but if there was one lesson that um, that my cat Eris taught me, um, I would say it was to learn more to live in the present. And even with Linksy Girl here, to live more in the present. It's hard. It takes practice. It's sometimes it's a kind of level of vulnerability that makes you kind of naturally feel out of your skin because you're feeling it. Um, And then as far as the social media and the breaking up stuff, um, I think the system has been designed in a way that everything has become more impersonal. Like, look at this. Look at dating. Dating doesn't really happen offline anymore. I mean, it does, and I hope to God that it continues to happen offline, but there are a lot of people out there that are flocking to social media um, apps, such as dating apps, being told, this is the way that you do it. You create your Facebook page, and then you you curate the, you know, and, and, and you hear, you know, posts about how you're supposed to do it right versus how you do it wrong, and if you do it wrong, don't expect to get any hits, and 
you know, it's been years since I've uh, done anything like that. At first, I didn't even try because I was just like, this all feels so contrived. Um, and then as far as the breaking up via text, it's happened to me several times. And um, I've spoken with other guys that I know, you know, from work or friends and otherwise. The same things happen. It's become insanely, insanely common place. And I don't know if guys do it as well, but I know girls happen to it a lot of it. Um, and I'm not even talking about, you know, for the cases of flames or anything, but just like literally, um, and I would like to hope that it comes from a place of pain because they don't want to go there because they'll know that they'll talk themselves out of it if they were in person. But to me, it is, like you said, it makes you question what was actually there if they won't give you the time of day to actually have a one-to-one, face-to-face conversation about it. And if it's not face-to-face, at least over the phone, to send someone a postcard, essentially, (laughs) you know, rather immediate postcard telling them that, you know, you don't want to be with them anymore and and to not offer no rebuttal or no conversation um, is just a painful way to go. And I don't know why that that's become the norm, but I've talked with guys. I know it's not just me. Um, That usually is how it happens. And one thing, though, out of this real quick, I'll just say as far as connection and dating for me. For me, I actually, back when I was active at my job and felt like I had purpose there, I had a lot of happiness alone, to be honest, you know, um, I, I eventually am looking for that person, my soulmate to come into my life and to, you know, enrich in it. And that was something also my physical therapist and I were talking about during my last session. Um, you know, I, I, I hope that, um, he does energy work. So that's the reason why I was telling him all this stuff. Um, you know, he said, he said that to me, he said, you know, how do you know that something won't come into your life and enrich it more? And and I hope that it does. But the, the most important thing, I think, when it comes to connection is to not be dependent on other people, to not be codependent. You know what I mean? Because that's not real connection. That's fake connection. That's relying on one another's weaknesses and leaning in on them. Almost kind of like you're taking advantage of one another. Um on vulnerability, when really deep, true connection, and unfortunately, yes, all relationships eventually do, if they're healthy, work out of infatuation to more mature forms of love. Um, And that includes, unfortunately, having kids, (laughs) you know? Uh, I know that that can be a buzzkill for a lot of guys because it means that the kind of love that you're that be, that's a regular part of your life is becomes very different. Well, you know, you talk about codependency. Mm-hmm. I think a that's huge, a really important thing to mention, isn't it? It's huge because the thing is, is that if you grow up in a codependent environment, you never get to learn who you are because you're so busy fixing things and taking care of other people. You never really form your own identity of your own person so that when you go out into the world and you start dating, you're going to find another codependent person because that's who you're going to be able to relate to. Point being is that 
in a good, healthy relationship in general, if you know who you are, your Mm -hmm. own person, and you are enough for you, you feel good about who you are, you're in a relationship with someone else to love that person, and they're also in the point of knowing who they are. That richness that you find between each other is even so much greater because you don't have to, you're not going to have to worry about people leaving you because you're honest. You have boundaries. You're, you have honesty with each other and you don't worry about getting too close because if something happens, you know, in the end, it might make you very sad, but you're going to be okay because you're okay with you. Can I interject real quick? Sure. I think that's the reason why you don't like social media and why you don't like any of these is because... It's people not being themselves. It's people putting forward a different version of themselves. Either the way that they want to be seen, they may not be, which is not in line with reality, which is not authentic, or the way they want other people, the way that other people see them to hold up that standard. You know, I think you're absolutely right because a few years ago when I tried to sign up for LinkedIn, It was really hard for me because, you know, you're supposed to sell yourself. I don't want to sell myself. I want to be myself. What I mean by that is... You're saying the type of lingo that you're supposed to be using on your profile, team player and... And blah, 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 like you're... I can't. I can't get into that because you want to know something? The way that I get to know people is for who they are, not what they put on a page, okay? So, yeah, I mean, how do you summate one person's life experiences, decades of experiences onto paper? You can't. I think, too, that to say, oh, I'm this and I'm that and I'm this and I'm that, okay, you can say, I'm loving, I'm kind, I'm genuine, and I care. I can say that because that is me. But I don't want to say, oh, I went through, I, I became this for this, or I, I excelled at this, because that's not what is important. Because you know what? I want you to like me for me, not for what I, I what, what badge I might wear or what, what uh, trophy I might have won. I want you to love me for who I am. And, you know, it doesn't mean like, you know, if someone has a similar interest as me in doing something, um, an example, tennis, I used to love to to play tennis, you know, I'll play tennis with them. But, you know, say, for instance, I I was a tennis pro. Of course, the world's going to know me. That's going to put me in a different place if I was really a tennis pro. So, I mean, that may not be a very fair way of looking at it. But I'm just saying that sometimes we look at people and like them because of their because of of the fact they're famous or because, oh, that person, they were, they're in this film or that person. We don't really know that person. We just know of them with the roles they play. I guess mm-hmm. that's what I'm trying to say here. I don't want to play a role. I want to be who I am. Well, and because that allows me to get deeper to people that are going to be more consistently wanting the same thing, hopefully, as me, of being that more genuine, transparent person. And you know, when you're that way, if people walk out of your life, which doesn't mean they're not going to, 
It used to bother me tremendously when... You would want to fix it, right? I would want to fix it. And now if that happens, unless I have done something to that person to deserve that, which if in fact I discover I have, I'm the first one to go back and apologize and say, I, gosh, I'm really sorry. I, I didn't mean to offend you and really mean it. Not just, a, oh, sorry, sorry, how people sometimes just say sorry. No, I mean from my heart a sorry if I did something... If I didn't do anything, am I, I'm being my authentic self. Well, then I have to just realize that maybe that person and I just don't have that deep of a relationship or we didn't have that deep of a relationship and move forward with it. Because again, coming back to knowing I'm going to be okay. You know, if I'm just, you know, it's like, okay, I guess this is the best way of describing it. If you are real and who you say you are versus writing in words who you are, like on a dating app, you know, trying to attract someone on a date, a dating app, app in a not so, not really lying maybe about something, but maybe not exposing oneself for who they really are. I mean, I wouldn't go on a dating app and tell them everything about my life. Certainly not my own experiences because that's kind of private. If I found someone that I really wanted to get to know, maybe later on, but not in the beginning, because that's something that you share with someone that you feel like you're close enough. That is your own experience. And that's a boundary. And it's a boundary I have that I'm not going to share my life with just anyone. Um, Not to say in the future with this podcast, I may not share more of my life because, you know, as I do this more and more, that may become apparent that I want to do that. But um, that's why I respect what Zach said earlier, that it's private right now. And I understand that because we're new at doing podcasts. And, you know, right now, it's just not the right time. So basically, whether it's looked at as a lie or not, or just kind of half truth, what you try to say about yourself may not be really the way it is. You're more or less trying to appease someone to see you in a light that you think might be more beneficial if they were to enter a relationship. And I guess when I say that, I'm kind of focusing on the dating scene. You know, like people go on and, and you know, they, they say all these great things and it's just... I don't know. I, I still, like you said, Zach, that whole thing about dating. I know that people, it, it is successful for some people. I can't say that it hasn't been successful for some people, or maybe they've just lucked out. But I still think that it's just kind of artificial. It's not real. Because when you meet someone just in a way out in the world that you just run into another person and you start striking up a conversation and you get to know each other seems so different than posting pictures of yourself. And, you know, sure. It's, I think it's okay to push, put your interests. I'm not saying I'm against people who do dating apps, you know, because some people that's what you're comfortable with. It's not for me because I had, I'm not very good at putting into words what I am. I'm better. Uh, I'm much better at, just meeting people and then finding out who I am. Does that make sense? I think so. I think what you're saying is you're saying you don't even have a problem of the 20, 30 years ago when people used to put out personals in the paper mm-hmm. to meet people because mm-hmm. what they would be is they'd just be the cliff notes of generally what they're looking for. And they would understand by the very nature, it doesn't come with a picture. Mm-hmm. Most people didn't post a picture. Like You took the chance to actually go on that date to see if there was something there. And I would say generally with dating, dating is probably 
go down his history as one of the longest human experiments. <laughs> yeah. Do you know what I mean? And it is like an experiment. And um, in this experiment, let me let me tell you the reason why you and I don't date all the time. And tell you one reason why. It's two words: no drama. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I met people before that, and most of them are not my friends. <laughs> Because, no offense, I think, and this sound going to sound like, a, I'm going to sound like a complete a-hole, okay? But to me, a person that gets themselves in the same situation over and over and over again, expecting a different outcome, is an idiot. Also, they're insane. Okay, so you know what that says to me, Zach? That says, I don't want to change I'm going to keep running into the wall and I'm going to keep bruising my face up yes, and knocking I, myself out. Mistake-wise. Yes, because you know what? I don't want to put the energy into what change is and change scares me. I don't want to look at myself. Well, I could, you know, with what you're saying, I could say the same thing about myself, though. I could say I'm not changing. I'm not willing to reach out and try to find out if I can work, you know, when it comes to dating. I mean, you can look at the two different directions, I think. Yeah, but you know what? I know you well, and the audience doesn't know you like I know you. Oh, I know when it comes to me, yes. But but I was but just speaking I, generally, just yeah. like in the conceptual But aspect. I'm saying that you've been, in many ways, forced to change. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and I'm not the same person I was. You are courageous. And like I said before, you know, I think the first podcast, you're my hero, or the second podcast, whatever, because I have watched you go through really difficult times in your own personal life and been there with you. And so you, you have had to face some things that some people may never have to face. When I say that, I've seen you face it with grace and dignity. Well, I appreciate that. You know, my physical therapist had a talk with me just saying that, you know, your demographic has it very, very lonely. Loneliness, loneliness is the word of the day. And he said that's the reason why the support groups are really important because, because you don't think that they do anything. And his ones that he puts on only go on once a month. But he said, in his mind, you know, he's been working with this population for a really long period of time. He has no idea what it's like. But he does know enough to say it's a lonely experience. It's just, the problem is, it's again what I was talking about. Ignorance brings, it breeds ignorance. If a person's not in, um, affected by something, they have absolutely no clue. They're an outward observing body looking at something. Not necessarily knowing what it all means for the person experiencing it. And that's the reason why I don't have respect for people that hear the buzzwords on news about something. That, you know, over, over characterizes, over uh, caricature, right? Characterizes a situation, spouts it out, and doesn't really they never did the research to actually understand themselves. And as humans, we are offered a really huge gift. Gift is called empathy. We have the ability to empathize with one another if we're able and willing to. 
if we're willing participants. And for some of us in this world, and we all, it's part of the human condition, we all deal with it to some variable degree, we can use our higher brain centers to shut off some of the lower brain center stuff. So, you know, believe it or not, I believe a lot of our emotional regulation can become from the higher brain centers, but I think it derives from the lower brain centers, just like it does for an animal that doesn't have as, as developed of a higher brain center. And so what I'm trying to say is that there's the saying going with your gut, right? Why is going with your gut the right answer when it doesn't involve a higher thought? Because you feel it. It's, it right? is a sense. It's a deep it's sense. An, but, but it's actually an emotion too. Yes, it is an and emotion. And is an emotion supposed to not be correct? Isn't logic supposed to rule it, out, rule it out? So that's the that's the kind of thing is I think in life, when it comes to making connections, when it comes to finding your place in life, you have to accept the fact that life is like the flow of water. It's ever-changing. It's ever-moving. We don't have control over all the circumstances of our lives, but we do have control over certain things and something that's been a standby in my own life personally. I might not have control over what happens to me, but I do have control over the way I react to it. Very true. So basically what you're saying... Or what I make of it. Yes. And that's exactly what I've watched you do. And that's what takes the courage of a human being is to be able to roll with the punches. And sometimes you can be knocked out or down. Oh, I've been knocked out for a while. Yeah, knocked out. With brain damage. And down. But you know what? It's important to pick ourselves back up. And again, that's where connection plays a strong role. Because you know what? If we had to think about walking through this life all by ourselves, not able to share feelings we might be feeling with someone, which some people don't expose themselves enough to another. Um, And sometimes I think that can be characterized in a, in a dating type of relationship. Maybe sometimes someone gets scared because they get too close to someone and they break off a relationship because some people believe that if they allow themselves to open up too much, they're going to get terribly hurt. Like somehow they're protecting themselves, but you want to know something there's a, that's a false sense of protection because regardless, you know, if you're going to get hurt, you're going to get hurt. So, you know, it's just like an event in one's life. We, like you said earlier, Zach, we don't have control over our lives and where we end up. It's how we react. It's how we are as a person. We do have control over how we treat others. We do have control how we react to a certain situation. Sometimes being very hard and sometimes not, it may take us a while. It, it, it actually might take some time to be able to adjust to something which makes that is difficult to adjust to, which makes sense. But really, I think that letting go of that control, which is hard to maybe let go of, to know that I can't control the events in life that happen, roll with the punches and try to think of eventually life as an adventure. And I was thinking of that when you were talking about your job. Like, I know you love research and you were just so awesome at it and um, used to take me with you. And 
we made DNA and it was like some of the, my favorite memories um, was watching you with research. I, I just so thoroughly it enjoyed that. It was some of my favorite memories too. It um, was, it was, it was incredible, but you know what? Right now where you're at, I'm sure can be very scary, but also if you can think of it as an adventure, because do you want to know what? I just think that we are guided in a place that we're supposed to go. Just like you said earlier, you never knew that you were going to end up in research. There's a reason why you did. But, you know, you didn't predict that when you were younger. Although, I will say, when you were in middle school and you put that lab jacket on and acted like a researcher, maybe instinctually you might have known that. But it's not something that you initially planned for yourself. It's just the way it worked out, which was a beautiful thing because research is helping others. It's, you know, unfortunate that we use mice. I, I, I'm with everyone about using mice, um, even though I'm terribly afraid of them. I don't really per- personally like mice, um, but still it's a living creature. And I, and I realize that it's kind of sad that we have to use them for research, but that's how we learn diseases. That's how we learn mm-hmm how to find cures for things for people. And well, and that's the reason why we have Tylenol and stuff. So the thing is I put out to people, and I say this, I'm adamant about it. If you are like pro-PETA, then you better not take any over-the-counter drugs either. You better be a Puritan about it because there are so many things that you don't realize that you take for granted in everyday life that are results of animal research. And it's unfortunate that We've had to resort to doing those kinds of things. But believe it or not, guess what? COVID vaccines, I think they um, did some shortcuts on this kind of stuff. But typically when things go to clinical trial, before they go to clinical trial, there has to be animal studies to prove what exists is there. Mm -hmm. Um, But anyways, I was just going to say, yeah, you know, with connection... It's interesting how when we have it, when we're in the phase of developing it, we're very excited and then we take it for granted when we have it. it as humans, we always seem to be reaching for whatever we don't have. You, you know what I'm saying? And, mm-hmm. and connection's like a drug. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you can never get there. Um, but that's kind of where, so like, you know, if you say we're in a relationship, you know, like how how do you weather the period after that and not let that situation take all the full weight on you? And I think the answer is it's not possible, but you should realize that it's not as any specific measure of you as a failure at any specific thing. It was a failure for the relationship to work out. Relationship takes two parties, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can show up and do all of the work, right? But if you're not if what you're putting out is not yourself or if what you're putting up is an act, you can't keep that up forever. I think it's not unusual for people when they first meet to be on good behavior. Oh, I think that we are on our very, very best behavior because we watch every one of our moves because... Because they're scrutinized and we we, we mm-hmm. want to be liked. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think that part's fake. I think that's okay in the early phase too. Be cautious, you know, with the way that you do things because you you don't want to, I don't know, hurt someone's feelings or you don't want to, you know, commit a faux pas. 
you you want to do everything right um, so the person will like you. But eventually you have to get past that point. And I'm not talking about completely covering up who you are, but just a little bit. You know, I think that part's normal. You have to understand that you can't be with someone where it doesn't accept you for who you are, the actual well, you. You know, if you're going to be developing true connection. I was going to say the other side of that, though, is to not make false promises. I understand what you're saying is to be yourself, but also I think there's an awareness that comes over us like we always want to, particularly in the dating scene. That's the one that stands out most in my mind, that we wouldn't present ourselves the very best. I think that's Mm -hmm. kind of a human being thing, but I think to... Our awareness may be there, but to not make ourselves something that we're not, that that person thinks that we are. Do do you follow what I'm saying? In other words, yeah, there is that like politeness and and we're very Mm -hmm. careful, like, um, I don't know. I love it still to this day when a guy closes my car door. I just find that as such an attractive thing. Chivalry's not dead. Guys, do you hear that? Not with me. I love it. I love when a guy holds a door for me. Of course, I'm going to follow up and say, I hold the door for everyone, whether it's a man or a woman. It or a mannequin. Or a mannequin. <laughs> yeah. I, I, because you want to know something? It's being polite. And it's, it's just, I don't believe that just because a man is a man, he's the one to hold the door and a woman doesn't hold the door because, hey... We wanted equal rights as women, right? Okay, if we want well, equal rights as women, then I, I mean, well, I guess maybe we should hold the door too. And I'm not into the women's lib. I'm not into that. You're not a, a neo-feminist? No, I am in no way that. I appreciate that because I don't mean to be shitting on neo-feminism, but I think neo-feminism is in its most extreme practiced form is its own form of, you know, how there's misogyny on women. So I don't even know what it's called when a woman does that to a guy, but I don't even know what the term is. But it's basically reverse misogyny, essentially. It's like, it's like your father was this way, and your father father was this way, so therefore you're this way, and therefore... That's not asking for equality. That's like, that's like retribution time. It's like there is a penance to pay, and, you know, and, and so some far-off degrees, some women even can be... And and this is a true story. You know, I'm not saying for all women, for sure not. Can be pushed to lesbianism as a result. Oh, I've known of a lot of women that are so tired of being with men that they've pursued that because they feel that generally it takes the, the tenderness of a woman to to be maybe more cognizant of their needs mm-hmm, as definitely. a person. But what I was going to say before when you asked me... A woman's touch. A woman's touch. When we're talking about that feminism perspective, I do believe a woman deserves to be paid just as a man. I think equally. It's sad it's not the case, though. Really sad it's still not the case. No, it's true. And that women should have a right to make their own decisions about things instead of people telling them what they need to do because that's... Oh, yeah. Like, my favorite is what they need to be told what to do with their body. Because, you know, we know politicians know so well about that. And aren't we so happy that Roe v. Wade got overturned? Oh, we're just so thrilled, aren't we? I can't even talk about I that. Mean, I mean, I'm just, I'm just as gleeful as ever. You know, it's, 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 
see, it, that is another example of and what you're talking that's, about. That's misogyny. That's what I call misogyny. That's like misogyny. It's like greatest form. And what's crazy is there's women out here that are like, oh, yes, I, you know, I... You know, birth control is is killing babies. Like, and I understand that's not exactly what they're saying. They're saying like it's a fetus, and but the reality is, it does go that far. Though it Zach. is weird to think that they themselves are fine with that position. Even women, sadly, that will have to deal with the situation of later on. God forbid, I'm not wishing it upon them, but if they're raped, will their opinion change? Will their position change on mm-hmm. that when they're forced to have to carry a baby to term that they didn't ask for with all that comes with it, morning sickness, having to give birth and that some actually parenting that child. It's, I don't know. I just, I think that that's an example how we as humans keep making the same damn mistakes. I thought that we were, well past that point. But you know what I think, Zach, the problem is, is that we see things one way. In other words, oh, we yeah, think I of know it we do. like, okay, this is like if a, a, a girl and guy get together for a night and she gets pregnant and then, well, you need to have the baby because you got pregnant with Bola. You're bringing a totally different thing into this, a woman yeah. being raped. And so, you know, that is an example, or like we're talking about labels, where we have labels for all kinds of things that we see one way, which is not really what they are. It's the labeling. It's the it's it's the way that we don't have a broader perspective about things that we see them from only one way that we can comprehend. And I think that's there's truly a lot of mistakes, but not only mistakes. It's not the way life is. I mean, it's not just, it's it's being able to be more open-minded. Exactly. You can't force life into a perfectly defined box. And then, like, my favorite is a one-size-fits-all mm-hmm. situation. And we see it happen all the time, you know. One-size-fits-all for, you know, uh, in medicine, one-size-fits-all for whatever, you know, new law or something. And it, it I, I think there are dangers with and you know the reason why we do this as humans because we suck at nuance we suck at it we don't we we don't like discerning things so we tend to oversimplify them yeah to understand you know them. what i think you said it well there if we can simplify something then it doesn't have to be thought of in depth yeah and you know it doesn't become complicated yeah so i mean it could also be the stories we tell ourselves when we get done with a relationship you know i think for me the part that I've wanted the most out of relationships I've been denied is the conversation. I love that you say that. The conversation, not because we're going to convince one another to get back together, but honestly, be honest with yourself, be honest with the other person. So that way, when you go forward, you can learn something. Because I don't think that every relationship should just be repeated the same mistakes over and over and over and to not like take critical look at it. And that's the one thing I've been denied out of every single relationship is I've always been denied a final conversation. You know, I love, I love that part of you, Zach, because I'm really attracted to men who like to talk about feelings. And in this world for many, many generations, 
men were not allowed to feel they were supposed to be stoic and take things the way they were and just to accept them. And again, that's another perspective we look at, another, not a perspective, but that's another example of a situation where there is only one perspective, that a man has to be strong. That's his job in this world. Come on, if a man was not meant to feel, why was he born with feelings? Mm -hmm. And therefore, I believe that men that are more able to talk about feelings and communicate those can have much deeper relationships. But, you know, it's interesting because I'm learning even now in my life that um, it always seemed like women were the ones that, because women tend to do a lot of talking. I'm a woman and I know I do a lot of talking where men can say something in two sentences and have it said where women might take two paragraphs. Okay, I already get that. We do communicate a little differently. But to hear you say that you really would like to have communication as to why a relationship ended, I think that's beautiful because... Just to be able to say my part and for them to be able to say their part, to, to, le- to learn something and not, not to be... To not let it be a self-serving situation. I don't want to um, end with this this um, conversation we're having yet. I did want to talk um, about, to go back to the internet at some point to just to hit on something. Oh, okay. Well, I think you know that what we're talking about now can be we can let it rest because we're just basically yeah. talking about you know. The role of being a man and a woman, which could be a whole new podcast by itself. You know, I'm as we do this, I'm realizing that we talk briefly about things throughout the podcast, like even connection. My gosh, this we could probably do 50 podcasts about different things that we've talked about tonight, a whole a whole hour of one of these topics of, you know, dating, of well, you know, well, yeah, communication. It tends to go all you know, sorts of different directions. Which, you know what? I Naturally. think probably that will be further on in our podcast because I think they're going to revolve around um, connection and how connection is different ways of connecting and what's important with connecting yeah, like communication. So, so and maybe like we that. might, we might do a, a revisiting on certain, certain topics at yeah. some point and I will just probably put in parentheses, we'll say the topic name and then revisit it, you know, Nonetheless, revisit, it to, revisit it three or something. I'm feeling assured when you want to talk about, something about IT, it does have to do with connecting because that's yeah. what our topic is about. So we're... S- well, and I got my certificate in Cisco networking 427 hours, so I think that makes me an expert. Uh, anyways. You are good. Uh, hold on. Where's the sound effect? Oh, crap. I wasn't ready for this. Hold on. Let's see if I can find it. Um, uh, I completely messed it up here. It's the... Uh, Hit the it, right button, Zach. Come on, you can find it. Is it this one? I got faith in you. There we go. Okay. All right. All right. Hey, we're um, getting good. We're even getting sound effects. Yeah, That's that was, awesome. That was delayed by 30 seconds, but Nonetheless, anyways, you did it. Yeah. Okay, so... which What color button is that, just so you remember? It is the blue button. All right. It's blue. Let's all remember that for next time. <laughs> well, and I had to page through it since this is the roadcaster too, but... Um, so anyways, what I want to do is I just want to go back to technology and just talk about social media for a second and say it's possible that all of these technologies are designed to make us actually more lonely. Mm-hmm. Why? 
because if we actually felt fulfilled and connected, and I mean not online, but offline. What's that look like? Then would we keep reaching for Facebook? We would keep reaching for these social media apps. But yet, but Zach, how do you turn that all around? Because if people have done the Facebook and the social media, if that's what they've known, how do you ever turn that back around to the more organic? Well, you may not be able to. It depends on the generation. I think the generation that, let's just say, was the age of 12 when Facebook was around. So let's mm-hmm. just say 94, 96, born mm-hmm. in 94, 96 onward. They may not know of a way to free themselves of a system that's designed to keep us in shackles. And I mean kind of conspiracy theorist here, but what I'm trying to say is you need to understand programming can be used for both good as it can be used for evil, right? You can do it whichever way. You can design it so the game will pay out. You know how you know how it is with a casino game, like right? Slot machines? Yeah, slot machines. Yeah. You want the slot machine just to pay out enough mm-hmm. that the person will keep playing it, right? Right. And nowadays they can because they're not actually the old rotating tumblers. They're digital tumblers. Mm-hmm. They're predefined certain number of winning. They're supposed to pay out certain predefined amount of times. So are you saying that they're, so, pre-pro- they're pre-programmed? Is that Yes, and I'm saying that dating apps can... There's actually been some research that's been um, conducted into this area. And mind you, I don't know how, if it's been on the level of forensic investigation into the programming, but that they're basically designed. So they say, well, okay, if you make a match and they make a match, well, then you're, you're matched up or whatever. But there's nothing preventing them from changing the code to do it something else entirely. Well, it's like a black box. So similarly... With Facebook, with Facebook, they know for a fact that consumers that are depressed and lonely tend to spend more money ten- on on items that they don't need because boredom. Well, it could be out of boredom, but then we'll see a product that will they'll advertise a product that makes us feel more wanted or more. Yeah, but how long like, does that last? I mean, you you buy something well, because you're like, oh, yes, oh, I really want this. Yes. I really want it. And then you get it and you're all excited. But how long does that excitement last? Well, and that's a fair point. But the point is, imagine if you're born into that system and you don't know of any other way. Or better yet, when you're born in that system, rather than reaching the age of like, you know, 21, 25, 26-ish, we all used to understand we'd have to make our own rite of passage in life and not seek that validation from an outside source, right? To figure out who we are as people. And I think that social media is mudding the waters for people actually figuring out who they are for the younger generations because they're seeking the validation outwardly. So how can that actually make them happy if it's contingent upon the social? You know what I just thought of? What? It's like a codependency. It's like oh, being yeah. codependent to IT because mm-hmm. 
that is what you know, and that is what makes you feel better, and that is yeah. what pleases you, what pleases others. Like you can put a post up for someone, even though it may not be sincere about how wonderful they are, even though you may not think they're that wonderful, or say things that you may not say to someone just to make it look good. Do you see what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I mean, like me even making an update post on my health blog, right, yeah. to people. Like I tried throwing one together tonight and I'm just not feeling it. So I probably shouldn't post it. I could post it honestly, but the problem is I know what the social circles are wanting. The social circles are not wanting an update where I'm like, oh, things are kind of crappy. You know, they're probably wanting to hear something good. They're not wanting to hear something negative. Um, and so I can't be authentic about what I want to say. Why? Well, I'm just saying, I can, but I'm just saying the the reality is maybe less people will follow it if it is negative. But the point I'm trying to get at, the side point I'm trying to really... Why do you think, excuse me, can I interrupt you for just a moment? Why do you think less people, because let me tell you what, I understand that people don't like to face things that are sad or that are not yes, pleasing. Yes, that's what it is. But how do you feel? Okay, let's go back just a moment instead of thinking what they'll think. Think about what you need to do for you first. That's fine. I don't really want to get sidetracked with this, though. Okay, I'm just saying, though, just a point, just a point to think okay, about. Okay, well, that's that's a fair fair point. It's a point taken. Um, let's see what I was going to say next. Um, the point I'm just trying to make is the whole thing with Facebook is sort of contrived. Because we're only putting out one version of ourselves. And it's not always accurate with who we are or where we're at. For instance, you can have everything. You can have the child. You can have the beautiful wife. And there's still people that are not happy with it. But because they're told by their wife or their brother or their sister, you should be happy. Not you should just be happy. They, they insert the words themselves. They'll say, Man, you must be thrilled. That may not be the person. The person may not be happy with their circumstances, but they're told by their social situation they need to be. And it depends on which circle you lie with because there, you know, there's the power of groupthink and stuff involved with this that um, it's the right social circles. You can actually be ostracized you know, for it. I'm not, I don't feel like that's the case for me, but I'm just, I'm just saying, you know, in the right social circles, like that's, Certainly what happened when it came to politics and political thought, the past election, past two elections, um, not to hit too much on that. I know that's dangerous talking about politics here. But um, so anyways, what I'm just trying Where's to say is... Where's that blue button? Hit it right now. What blue button? The blue button you hit before. The sound oh. effect. There you go. Yeah, <sighs> let's not talk about politics. I'll tell yeah. you, I don't even... I'd like to forget. I want to move forward. Yeah, there you go. Uh, I want to move forward. I, I don't want to get stuck on that. <laughs> oh, sorry, I didn't realize I was going to keep going like that. Okay, um, I love it. It's so great. anyways, what I just wanted to hit up, what I wanted to hit on is so much of our engagement with the outside world happens online now in a virtual space and not a real space. And it's also comes to the point when it comes to connection 
how can it be people that are posting one day seemingly normal and next day are dead because of suicide? And you hear these stories about that on social media. So the reality is, I think we as people, with the fact that our attention is now the commodity, you know, Facebook might be free, but we're paying the price other ways. We're not really getting the real, well, it may not even be possible to connect with people virtually in virtual reality, but that's what Facebook is trying to do, you know, especially with the metaverse and all that, like we're all supposed to just be online and you know, with their VR headsets on and all that, you know, hence why they bought all of the Oculus company, you know, for the VR headsets. Um, that was Facebook's, you know, image for the future is the metaverse. But but the reality is I appreciate what you said, you know. Um, there is something to be said about, you know, holding the physical book versus purchasing the text you download on a reader or your laptop to read. Um, there's a difference between having a face-to-face engagement, engaging conversation with someone versus having a back-to-back text message. And the other aspects to the text message is it's uh, it, it's um, it drives a wedge between be, between people because you just read the words. You don't actually hear the tone. You can't you can't pair the tone of what's said with the words. So you could even misread situations and so it creates misunderstanding. And it's also a way for us to stay away from one another. Text messaging is like a, a great way that we can satisfy what's necessary without actually even engaging with it, kind of. And I think in certain situations, that's fine. But in other situations, that could be dangerous. And it's also the way that people, some days, like I said, they have so much social anxiety that when they go out, they feel, and I see it with girls a lot more than guys, and I'm not saying that guys don't do it, but they're face down on their phone. Why? Because they don't want to be harassed or because they don't want to talk to people. you know. And it's got to the point where we don't even have to call on the phone to order a pizza. We don't even have to have a conversation on the phone. We can just do it online. I mean, hell, what's happened to the mall in America? Malls are, are all dying in America. Why? Because of Amazon. So it's like everything's become so virtual and so impersonal. And the question is, can we ever go back to the way things were? I mean, when you tell me about the way things were when you grew up, I feel a little envious because I think you were guaranteed the starter home. Yeah. Dating and relationships were not so complicated. Girls don't Girls have become neurotic, okay? A girl in be today's careful, world... Be careful, be careful. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, and you can say your own thing about guys. I'm fine with it. I'm gonna, if I'm going to say this, are a lot of girls like listening to crime drama on podcasts and stuff. Why is that? I think it's because you understand a lot of women get victimized. So this is not a dig to women. I'm just I'm trying to understand the psychology of it. So a lot of women nowadays, when it comes to dating guys, they want to see your virtual version of you, you know, Facebook profile, your pictures, et cetera, to scrutinize them before they're with you because they don't know if you're a serial killer or not. But you know something that can be all made up. It can be all made up, but I'm saying that's becoming the new norm. I mean, your picture that you put on. Yeah, you can can put, exactly. It's the story you tell. But I'm just saying, if that story seems off or something, 
and she gets cold feet, you know, you just never hear from her again, you know? So the point is, I'm just trying to say that it's vastly different. We're being scrutinized based on our license plate, sort of, you know what I mean? By proxy of who we are, the connections that we have are cannot be trusted wholly for the the legitimate um what's the word I'm looking for? For the honest, unfiltered version of themselves. We're having to go for, you know, via proxy to the curated version. And if that curated version checks out, well then okay. You must not be a serial killer. And if you think that I'm crazy, just wait until, and I'm not trying to be sexist when I say this, I'm more than happy if we ever get calls on this podcast for women to call in and tell me if I'm wrong, but I am I'm know that I'm right and know that I'm at least 80% right on that topic. Well, you know, it's also true that men can be raped too, though. I mean, in yes, all it, fairness... Yes, it can. Or, or victimized or having their, their Johnson slid off or... You know, various things. Because, you know, when I um, I used to volunteer years ago for the Ripe Crisis Team of Boulder um, volunteer work I did. And that's when I really learned a lot about, and never really gave it much thought. But it's, and you know, when that happens to a guy, I cannot even imagine. In some ways, it's, I don't want to say worse than, because I don't think Well, it it's is, worse. because you, you can't be trusted. It's like when you're a woman, you're trusted that you've been victimized. But if you're a guy, you're not you're not entrusted that you've been become a victim. Right. What I'm saying, though, I don't think it's worse that it happens to a guy than a girl. But from the standpoint of what you just said, yes, because the way society sees it. Yes, these are the, the social way it's norms. Dissected the stereotypes. Yeah, the stereotypes of our our world is like, oh, guy, gosh, that guy must just be a fag, a loser. Exactly. Uh, I mean, you know, a man that takes abuse from wife that's hit by a I mean, wife. I mean, you know. You hear a woman a, mounts on him and he's complaining about being mounted on him. Come on. Well, you know what, though? <sighs> Let's get real. It could be that same way for a guy as it is a girl. I mean, honestly, I'm sure there are some guys that do have, I don't want to say morals because that's really, once again, identifying things in a small way in a very blindsided way but but what i am saying is it could happen to a guy where he doesn't necessarily or he's an unwilling participant want to be a willing that's a nice way of putting it a willing participant in something and also you know um when i bring up the fact about abuse i can tell you that with the job that i do a woman being abused is seen differently than a guy being abused. And I think that's bullshit because I, a woman could abuse a man pretty much the same way. The only reason why we see it that way is because men are, are most of the time stronger than the women. Aggressors. Although you can get some pretty large women that could take on a small, skinny guy. And you know what? It'd be no different, right? Like get like a... Um, Someone, Heck yeah, man. <laughs> okay, Zach. It, it's easy to lose train of thought with you around tonight. With your, you're starting to really play with those. What are you uh, talking about, about butch? <laughs> Sorry. It's going to be hell from here on out. Once he finds these sound effects, man, it's never going to be the same. But um, in all seriousness. 
we do have those suicidal, I'm sorry, suicidal, true. See what I've done? I've derailed everything. You derailed it. That's what you call the proverbial curveball. There we go. The social aspects that we see in this world because the difference between a man and a woman. And um, yes, there is a difference anatomically. I see that. I see that. But Oh, um, Henny Penny. <laughs> What's wrong, Henny Penny? Come here. Come to James Bond. Come here, sweetheart. Oh, this is kind of going down the drain right now. What can I say to that? Oh, my God. I've lost all. <laughs> you have just totally made my brain freeze with this. It's okay. All right. I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you whatever no, time honestly, you Honestly, I kind of like it because we get on some. Yeah, I we know, have to disengage somehow. Well, with truly, a topic. we do because, you know, a lot of topics we talk about are very real. And sometimes it will draw people because people will go, gosh, I really like to talk about that. I like hearing about this because I'm not the only one feeling this way. And then on the other side, people go, I don't want to even talk about connecting with people because I don't really. Every it's time hard. I, it's, to, every to time say I've, that requires vulnerability. It does. So we go back to the vulnerability um, question. Is it really a good thing to be vulnerable or a bad thing to be vulnerable? So I guess you have to decide for yourself. It's a personal opinion. Personal opinion aside, it does take a lot of courage if you are, because you know what? You are going to get go through a lot of hurt and pain, but it's how you condition yourself to look at it, really. Again, it's how you react to it. It's just like you said earlier. It's another good example. When I would say, someone makes me so mad because they said this, okay? No one can make me mad, literally make me mad, unless I allow them to do that. Mm-hmm. If I want to listen to what they're saying to me, that makes me angry, and I want to get, just get caught up in that, then yeah, I'm going to be angry, and I'm going to blame it on them. But really, I'm the one to blame for even listening to it. If it, if it makes me that angry and it's not true, why am I even worried about it? Well, I just wanted to say this much. I don't feel like we really... I think we did a pretty good job characterizing connection, but I don't really feel like we ever got to the bottom of it. Um, kind of spinning our wheels a little bit. And that's not meant as a dig. I'm What I'm trying to say is connection is like such a complicated song and dance. You know what I mean? And it's so different for every situation. Well, I think, you know, when we said we're going to do this podcast about connection, because we don't, I've said before, we don't have scripts. We just do it. We ad lib. And what the hell are you talking about? What is, what is this thing in front of me? This, this thing I've been reading off of. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, but basically what I found from this podcast, which is like, you know, we say life is a learning experience and, you know, I think there were a lot of good points brought up, but to tie this all together is really hard in one it is. podcast. This is one that it's. I'm kind of lost on how to end this podcast. I don't um, think that that there is an end because I think we need to continue. I maybe think, the end is a new beginning. Well, or can I just say this? Isn't that what we're about is connection? Okay, so we have touched upon a bunch of different 
want do I want to say aspects of connection, different mm-hmm. kinds of connection, um, different kinds relationships, of relationships, jobs, communication, social circles. So maybe the internet, thing the thing that I'm kind of learning from phones. this, uh, yeah, 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 I got it. Is that what we really need to do is maybe talk about one aspect of it at a time. So you know So does that mean that we need to start over? No, it means that I think we talk about maybe... Because we're already at two hours, over two hours. Are we really going to keep going? No, I'm done. Oh. I'm just saying to you, I think maybe next time we need to talk. Well, what do you mean next time? This is our this is our connection podcast. Well, it is our connection. We'll, we're going to connect with you. The people that listen to us, we will continue to connect. But I think the important thing to say here is that... To focus on what is communication? How do we communicate? What 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 is it about communication? Connection it, or communication? Now I'm confused. It's all part of connection. Well, it's true. I'm saying break down connection into subtopics. Okay, so you're saying connection, subtopic, communication. Okay, what I'm saying to you is this. Okay, hear me out. Mm-hmm. Polychromatic, which is our podcast, is about connection. That's who we are. Maybe break down to subtopics of different aspects of connection because there's a lot of them. I'm found out tonight. There's a lot when you think of connection. You look dumbfounded right now, but well, you know I, what? I think I think I'd be on board if we really have some sort of direction, some actual real guardrails. This to do that because otherwise I think we'll want to do what we did tonight. Well, I'm thinking, you know what, what you just said reminds me of a pinball machine, how the ball just bounces off and goes all different places. There you go. And I'm not sure we did that. Okay. I mean, we're going to have good. We're going to have bad. Well, I don't think this was a bad one. I'm just saying we will revisit that idea at some other point. Maybe I'll, maybe I'm misunderstanding. You all understand under some other context. All I'm just trying to say is we would probably need to really narrow down what we're talking about then, because we just talked about connection from animals to the internet, to relationships, to affairs, to, to communication, to breakups, to text messages, to mobile to phones, online dating. to online dating, to the fact that the internet's designed in a way to keep people lonely. You know what I love? It's how much we got done in two hours. That was pretty amazing. Well, yeah, we're two hours and five minutes right now. So, and yes, this is unedited. We're doing pretty un, pretty much unedited thus far. I think it's been a slam dunk thus far. We have not edited anything. Hasn't been anything, anything like, uh, I mean, there are going to be F-bombs on occasion, but that's not a, anything that hey, requires editing. You know what I think? I think that this is organic and real. And I think that we need more organic and real conversation in our lives. So however this comes across, I think it's just fine because this is us. And hopefully people will get to know us more and more because we do take things into depth. But I think we took so many different things tonight into this podcast topic-wise that we weren't able to visit each in depth. And I think that's what you're talking about. I yeah. think it's like so many things that we couldn't go. Like, I think we just touched upon, which I think was great because we talked, I think this podcast summarizes connection in many ways and, and we haven't even hit all of them. But I think we've made done a great job of talking about the ones that came to mind during this past two hours. Well, and you know, 
going back to what we said earlier, connection is often tied to purpose. Regardless. And I, and with I what feel it is. purpose and toodle do. I mean, is this the end? Well, it might be. Or uh, we might go for another two minutes, or this might really be the end in two seconds. We might. don't know. We just kind of keep keep the audience on edge here. Yeah, wondering. Maybe, maybe we will. But anyway. Again, I hope you guys continue to listen to us. We really do enjoy putting these out. Well, I mean, re- regardless of how far it goes, I mean, it's it's really committing what we have here—a conversation that an organic conversation that we would just have between the two of us—to include you in on in on it. It is. It's like you are sitting in the living room of our house, listening to us talk. And I hope you're getting something out of it. And I think some people will and some people won't. And you're invited to go off to far off places with us. That's for, right. For we will hours. take you to such far out places that guess what? We can actually be your therapeutic outlet because you will be thinking, I how feel do better get from how, here to there. Exactly. And it'd be like, I listen to the podcast. Why do I feel better afterwards? Yes. Well, maybe because you're not crazy. Maybe because you're woke. Maybe because you feel the same stuff that we feel about the world around us. Why Why is that so surprising? It shouldn't be surprising, right? I mean, we're all human. We, And I think the shared theme, if you want my honest opinion, is just the human condition, right? It's like it's about what it means to be human. And we all have the part of being like feeling like we're misunderstood and you know, like trying to find our, a way to fit into the world and connection is the driver of that, right? Like, how does that actually mat up? Well, I think a good way to end this podcast is to say just this. Each person is okay for who they are. We all are unique individuals in this world. Your belief systems, the person that you are, don't be afraid of who you are. I mean, just because someone may say, something may judge you in an, in an unfair way, because if they're judging you, well, then I guess, I don't know. Judging people, I type of people, I think have their own issues to deal with. So I believe that being transparent, vulnerable, and passionate about what you do and loving Learning to love yourself regardless of what other people might say is the message for tonight. To be... Be your authentic self without fear of being rejected. If you are rejected, realize that maybe that's not the right people to be hanging out with. You haven't found found your tribe yet. And know that we are your tribe because we'll always be there. And we'll never reject you because, hey... People are people. People are people. And that's what I love is I love getting to know different people, which someday maybe I'll even get to talk to some of you out there. That's maybe in the future. I keep thinking about that. And that's what I would love to see is I would love to be able to get to meet people and talk to them more in depth about your own lives, what you're going through. Because it does matter. I think if when we start caring more about other people, And listening to other people, just knowing that you're heard in this world is huge. And And it's hard. It feels like we're invisible with technology. I mean, in some ways, technology has democratized Mm -hmm. and made other voices that would otherwise be unheard heard. 
But in other ways, it's a needle in a haystack. Yes, you can actually make things feel even more lonely because, you know, oh, my message didn't go viral. Or I didn't get as much attention. I only got five likes. It's like, that's the reason why you should be looking for organic relationships or reaching for those organic relationships that you do have that you may take for granted in your life. Yes. Because you've always taken for granted that they're there. But for all you know, they may be gone tomorrow. Truth of life. And to also not waste time on broken, cyclically broken relationships. Ones where you're putting in all the work and not getting anything in return. And realizing that we're all deserving of love and kindness and respect and dignity. And it's okay to want to feel secure in this world. I think that's the for me at least, the thing I feel the most is it feels like there's a lack of security in the world. And it happens in times of war, happens in times of viruses, it happens in times of just normal life. Absolutely. It's around us. It's life right now. So let's cling to what we've got. Let's cling together. That's right. All right. <laughs> I didn't know if you were telling me I want to stop. Okay. Anyways, <laughs> anyways uh, peace and love to you guys. Um, check us out on the web. We are at polychromatique.com. That's P-O-L-Y-C-H-R-O-M-A-T-I-Q-U-E.com. Polychromatique.com. Um, there we have just basically our podcasts and a bit about us. And it is a photo op. We have some photos on there. We're actually going to be adding another co-host to our podcast here pretty soon my mom's horse you're gonna read about him a bit including the bio for linksy zach and elaine um and you can also comment we would love to hear from you guys it doesn't take that much effort to do you just have to offer us a name to give you doesn't even have to be your actual name it can just be an online alias name or something that you make up your email address we'll send you an email you click the link you comment, you're done. You don't even have to remember the password. So just that. give us some feedback. We would love to hear from you on, uh, this is the fourth podcast. So this episode four, season one, episode four. And we've also labeled them just per the number. So they'll always be season one, season whatever, episode whatever. But we're also going by episode over overarching. So if we're in season two, we might be on episode, I don't know. It depends what we determine a season to be, but it could be episode 200. Season one, episode, sorry, sorry, season two, episode 50, but it's actually episode 200, if that makes sense. What Zach's trying to say is we've got a lot to talk about, so you better be hanging around because we're sure going to be hanging around. Yep. Peace and love, you guys. Peace and love, guys. And we'll see you next time. Until the meantime, be well, be safe, and be yourself.